been taking some stick this week? Yeah, just a bit, but I've mostly been grinning and singing retaliatory songs of various description, such as, it cost them 600 million to be us, it cost them 600 million to be us, it cost them 600 million to be us, so City are a massive club. That's been my approach mostly. You know what? It's it's a ridiculous, ridiculous result. It was an abject performance from Manchester United after the first 20 minutes, and the complete and utter capitulation at the end was something of a disgrace for professionals of that level. But it's only football. Yeah. (laughs) It's only football, but it was only a football game against Manchester City as Old Trafford, with the world watching, and the, the subsequent humiliation and debate, and tales of doom being written, and and all of that so yes only football but only football in at its peak of seriousness and so not good enough basically shambles you called it I don't, I don't, i'd go for an even stronger word if i could find the words to describe it i mean 47th minute johnny evans dismissed and from there on in it was a complete disarray a tactical mess no one seemed to know what they were doing i I thought ferguson was polite afterwards when he said there's a lot of embarrassment in the dressing room and and uh, it's rare for him but he picked out two players he said in ferdinand and patrice evra we had more experience and and two right i mean spent the whole of the second half with two fullbacks bombing on leaving two at the back versus often three or four attackers and and uh, utter insanity utter insanity. Yeah, I mean, Ferguson didn't shoulder any of the blame himself. No, he didn't. As far as I could work out. And I think that he's absolutely culpable for some of the disaster that that was. I mean, he had reason to expect that his players would perform better than they did. But you mentioned tactical disarray. And surely the manager has some responsibility for the tactical shape that the team are playing. Once Evans got sent off, I think Fletcher went to right back. I say I think because I'm genuinely not even really sure. I was thinking about it afterwards. Fletcher kind of went to right back and Rooney dropped into the middle when we were playing basically a 4-4-1 with one of the two central midfielders amongst our starting 11 and entire bench playing at right yeah until Phil Jones came on yeah it was yeah but that was a good while afterwards it wasn't it wasn't that quick afterwards that Phil Jones came it on it was a good while it, it was a good while and, but but it didn't really change shape once Phil Jones came on in fact because he carried on bumming up the wing as well and and he will shoulder some some culpability for that uh, I think and of course a lot of the goals came very late on in that second half so yeah it was a real mess Fergie does he's he's the conductor here and his orchestra were playing somewhat out of tune so I think uh, he does he does have to take some of the blame uh, you can't tell me he couldn't get some instruction across to his team and, and uh, may, maybe he was just frozen in the headlights like the rest of us and couldn't quite believe what was 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 happening on the pitch after goal after goal went in and, and of course you know some credit here to Manchester City who took full advantage a really full advantage and, and David Silva had the the outstanding player of the on the pitch on Sunday by some distance player we've spoken about before and one United missed out on clearly uh, he he would have easily walked into the United's team I mean you, you you mentioned two central midfielders that was two central midfielders in the entire squad oh yeah that's how thin Ferguson's resources are at the moment. Um, I think that I'm pretty much happy to say, and you know, we, we, all our thoughts and feelings about United over the last two and a half seasons are, are recorded for anyone who wants to go back and listen, although I'm not sure why you'd ever want to do that. But I, I think that's it for Anderson. I, I, I can't, I, I'm, I just no longer believe that it's going to happen. I mean, you've been in that position for a long time and I've kind of been hoping and hoping and hoping against hope and this, the beginning of this season showed all that great promise. 
but he's already blown that because he was I mean he's he's been bad a few times but he was abysmal against City he was yeah utterly abysmal yeah. and he's been consistently poor particularly in big games with a, with a couple of exceptions not that many exceptions though and I think that's it I just don't think he's ever going to make it now he's been here long enough he's been injury free for a little while now but this this continual inconsistency I, th- I just if he plays the rest of this season and is is good to brilliant every time he plays then that's fine he can he can stay but it just doesn't seem to be a particularly likely eventuality at all does it well no I mean history tells you it, it won't happen history tells you he has a few good games and then uh, he's either out of the side injured or, or not playing well uh, and disappears from games after that so and, and then you know it's the basics he gets wrong as well I mean the, the amount of ball he gave away was about 25% which is pretty normal for him but but in key areas and and uh, he was one of the the more attacking midfielders if you, you know playing alongside Fletcher in key areas he gave away the ball more than 50% of the time there was so United's play broke down a lot of the time when Anderson had the ball as he always has done and and uh, you know what what more can you add to that right you can you can keep talking about the you know the qualities he he might have well maybe he would maybe he'd make it if he always plays as an attacking midfielder maybe one day he'll start scoring goals maybe he's too ambitious in his passing maybe you know or, or perhaps you should look at the, the burst of acceleration in his ability to go past players he never puts it all together mm. everything else is just idle speculation because the truth is it, it's happened so rarely that he's actually shown he is that 30 million euro 20 million pound type player that it's, it's hard to believe that it happens it, it, it looks like those occasions where he really has perform, performed uh, uh, are the exception that proves the rule that he's an inconsistent player that never fulfilled his promise as the golden ball winner at the FIFA under 17 World Cup uh, you know five or six years ago the, the occasional game that he does do that is not a pattern at all no absolutely uh, and and we've been talking all season about how we're short in central midfield even when we're playing brilliantly at the beginning of the season you said this is brilliant but what if Cleverly gets injured and what actually happened after Cleverly got injured is the whole thing basically fell apart and we haven't put in a good performance since we, we got a brilliant result at home against Chelsea but that result did not reflect how that game went scrappy draws uh, a very very fortunate 2-0 win against Norwich at home very fortunate to beat Norwich at home right and then and a footballing less you know Rooney I was thinking you know hubris Shakespeare and the Greek playwrights teach us hubris is a, a killer the gods punish hubris I'm not saying that's actually what's happened but Wayne Rooney said after the Champions League that we taught Man City a footballing lesson well I think they if we did they 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 certainly took it to heart because because they they punished every mistake that United made they, they were clinical they looked incredibly powerful you mentioned David Silva's performance the the sheer ridiculousness of Sky giving the man of the match to Michael Richards I mean he, he had a good game Michael Richards did he, he was he was effective and stuff but David Silva is one of the performances of a lifetime you know he's, he's just a brilliant player and City were miles and miles better than us it doesn't mean we're not going to win the league it doesn't because there's a long way to go and there's plenty of time for them to sit here up right nice there is although they are looking very powerful at the moment the fact that they could come to Old Trafford to score six and you know, Carlos Tevez their top goal scorer for the last couple of seasons is, is not even not in the team but but he's been sent to Coventry big time and, and uh, will almost certainly leave in December so I mean they've got such a massive wealth of resources and um, the strength of their bench would tell you something about, about how much they've got I mean the, the fact that Zeko came on and scored what twice and he's a 20 something million pound player in fact uh, here's, a, here's a nice little stat from the weekend every single goal City scored was uh, scored by a player between 23 and 38 million pounds it, uh, it shows you the goal 
itself, not only in quality on the day, but uh, in investment. And uh, the day the Gimps decided to turn up at Old Trafford, it's a rare one that they come to Old Trafford. But uh, I mean, you know, truth is, they were only in the country because uh, their favourite club, the Bucks, were playing at Wembley later that day, and so um, it, it provided that nice little contrast with with United having been so parsimonious over the past six years of Glazer ownership. Yeah, no, I mean, absolutely, and it's 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 clear. It was clear for all to see, and this is this is what happens when you have a, a mismatch in investment on that level and, and United's incredible achievements last season in particular but you know until March we were we barely put in a good performance last season we won the league somehow I mean we, we did come really good at the end of the season for sure but but it was a very patchy and ordinary season and City completely imploded and you mentioned Tevez and I think the absence of Tevez is, is a really good thing for City you know it, it's it's clear that they're going to be much better off without him because I was thinking about it apart from Balotelli's hilarious comedy ridiculousness they, they don't quite seem to be riven with those kind of players that are you know a couple of seasons ago their star players were Tevez Adebayor Craig Bellamy you know all really yeah, trouble right. characters, but it's not like that now. No, no, Mancini's made a, a, a real effort, hasn't he? I mean, Balotelli, he's he's obviously got faith in and believes that the craziness will not will not disrupt his squad. Uh, I mean, Jose Mourinho, of course, said uh, he was uh, unmanageable uh, as a as a person, but but maybe Mancini's uh, able to do it. I mean, it was uh, reading through the the Daily Mirror's top ten crazy Balotelliness <laughs> was uh, fun, uh, and, and much of it is probably urban myth, but uh, just just uh, a quick skip through that obviously the fireworks recently and the John Lewis story and they're breaking into a women's prison throwing darts at fellow players and all of it all of it utter nonsense but uh but a fine fine talent and a, a brilliant opening goal yeah i mean absolutely and he you know i, I was obviously kind of gutted that we just conceded a goal at that point i thought we'd probably get it back into the game and i i kind of i think probably thought we were still going to win at that point and it, it, i definitely got a chuckle out of the why always me t-shirt you know it's quite good i've, I've quite enjoyed scott from the republic of mancunia has, has taken that and run with it and produced a inordinate amount of merchandise with Why Always Us written on it and stuff about how much we've won. But yeah, Why Always Me was a funny t-shirt and by the end of the game I was could not believe that we were, we just kept conceding and conceding and conceding but every time they got the ball they looked like they'd score. I mean we've talked a bit about our performance but Rio ha- I can't even find the words to describe Rio and, and Patrice Evra just completely notable by their absence in that game. Uh, Danny Welbeck had a pretty good game leading the line on his own in very thankless circumstances. You can't really criticise him. I haven't really criticised Rooney's performance, although, you know, people go on about wanting Rooney to play in central midfield as part of the solution to the central midfield problem, but much like saying that Jones should play there, he's not a central midfielder, Rooney, is no. he? He's such a brilliant forward. Why would you want to sacrifice him? Whenever he, we, When we were still 1 or 2 nil down and he would get the ball in in our half, you think, well, that's such a shame that he's there with the ball. It's something of a myth, isn't it? And it's one that Ferguson uh, you know, derided back into last season and said that uh, it Rooney would never make a, a player of Scholes' type and, and no of course not he's not just because he's got the talent doesn't mean you should deploy him there and uh, I, I think uh, I think we should kill this one he's um, it's it would be a waste to play Wayne Rooney there he's he's going to be far better outside and and the fact that you'd consider sacrificing your, your best player uh, to another position simply because United's so desperately short uh, just you know it just kind of sums it up all, all in all doesn't it I mean it's just I have to say it's got to be it's utterly baffling to me how long for 
Ferguson has gone without signing midfield three years now and, and even if he had a whole host of faith in, in Tom Cleverley and that's uh, why he didn't uh, make a midfield signing this summer it was still a massive strategic error because because you, you were betting a whole season on the form and fitness of a rookie it made no sense made absolutely no sense at all and I didn't buy it when I was uh, told it from more than one source that uh, this is what Ferguson had decided uh, the Glazers were prepared to throw their money at Wesley Schneider this summer if if that's what Ferguson wanted and Ferguson actually pushed back on it so uh, I've got to say I don't believe it uh, or, or he, he completely he's looked at our midfield and, and hasn't seen what everyone else has seen for so long so that's a big question massive question Patrice Evra another question he's not had a great start to the season he didn't have a great season last season uh, we or ca- the season before we can't really blame the World Cup now can we because he got full summer off now uh, this, this past summer so it, it's starting to look like a decline which is kind of worrying because he's only 30 Rio Ferdinand well he's in and out of the side so often that, that it is going to be hard for him to perform consistently unless he uh, unless he does play and, and you know, there was a, a fair amount of rust I thought in his performance there's been a worrying amount of rust in Nemanja Vidic's performance of course he didn't play against City and that's um, that's why he, he didn't play because of the red card against uh, Otterlo Glatzli and the fact that he looked uh, about a yard behind the pace you know, he looked about a yard behind the pace against Aldershot for uh, for at least the, the first sort of half an hour or so so no, quite a lot of worrying questions for Ferguson to answer now don't think it's all going to get miraculously solved now that now that Cleverly's back and then you know in theory could could start against Everton at the weekend and I, I don't think it's going to solve United all United's problems I mean there's still a lot of those questions there. I think I said last week on the show that just because it all fell apart when he got injured doesn't mean it's all going to get back together when he's uh, back to fitness it's not saying that he's not going to make a difference because I, I really do think he will make a difference but also you know he had a good bit of last season out with injuries a very young lad he's going to take time to he's not going to play every game between now and the end of the season and he's going to have presumably patches of four or five games in a row where he can't play or three or four we had a question from at John Muzzer this was immediately in the aftermath is Fergie losing his marbles what is happening with his team selections I mean you can't say I don't I'm sure that was just in the heat at the moment and it was uh, baffled like the rest of us but his team selection we talked a lot last week about what kind of team he was going to play and we we said if he plays with Nani and Young on either flank as a very very bold move and so and we've also said many times that Fergie is a consummate gambler his whole career is based on the fact that more of his gambles succeed than fail but this was a gamble that, that failed spectacularly uh, no no central midfielders on the bench whatsoever w- seemed very bizarre especially I mean people said oh yeah but Park can play there and Valencia can play there and Jones can play there and Rooney can play there but none of them can really play there no well I, and I, I don't know they'd made a difference um, look was it a gamble to play Young and Nani well you know m- maybe but United's opening half hour would say that that uh, you know being positive and taking the game to City was the, the right call the team just didn't sustain it and then Johnny Evans got sent off and I, I suppose the, the City goal took the wind out of United's sails somewhat didn't it and then the opening City goal so it, it could have it could have uh, gone right it, it just didn't I mean City scored on 20 minutes completely against the run and play got a load of confidence from that and then uh, went into the, the half time break leading and, and Evans got sent off seconds after the after the restart so and and yeah, United completely failed from then on in so it could have been a very different picture but, but I'd say one thing Chelsea game Liverpool game City game three different tactical formations Ferguson does have to shoulder some blame for that so there's one thing rotating on the resources uh, there there's, appears to be no real game plan uh, or pattern of game plan in mind there I mean uh, do you remember the last time Barcelona didn't play 4-3-3 because I've got to say I don't uh, there was uh, one game he apparently played three at the back earlier this season I didn't see it so. yeah there were no defenders in those three 
either. That was just for lols. I think we can be very clear that was just for lols. The point being that there is a pattern to the style there and you know an understanding of, of what formation uh, Barcelona play and players will slot into that. And they've got a much smaller squad than United. So uh, do we know Ferguson's first choice formation? Is it 4-4-2? Is it a 4-1-1? Is it uh, with Rooney in the hole? Or is it Rooney directly up top? Is it 4-5-1 with one up top? And what kind of players do we play behind that? Are we playing holding players? We have one crafty player and one uh, player is going to break up. In fact, I don't think we've got a player in the squad who's a natural defensive midfielder. So you've got this weird situation where they're kind of saying, well, one will go and one will stay. And there, there seems to be an awful lot of imbalance there because uh, as the stats show us, no team has conceded as many shots at home than United. None in the Premier League is incredible. It's entirely down to the tactical choices that Ferguson's made and the uh, imbalance in United's squad. We had a question from at Dale Goot saying, is the so-called midfield problem an attacking or defensive related problem? It's both. Yeah. yeah. Is, it, is it an attacking midfielder or a defensive midfielder we're missing? And it, there's no there's no doubt, doubt we're missing both. We've got a lot of midfielders in our squad who work really well as one of a three, you know, but none of them work really well as a three together and none of them work that well as a two together, I don't think. Although, having said that, Anderson and Cleverly were brilliant as a two together for four games at the beginning of this season. Yeah. Um, but that's, there's not enough to go on, but it's it, it happened, it's worth mentioning. But yeah, we, we you know, you pick two from Cleverly, Carrick, Anderson, Fletcher. There's just not a two that, that jump out at you as a natural, effective two. But all of Carrick, Anderson and Fletcher all can work well in a three. Yes, that's, that's probably true. I mean, Anderson, you can bury him in a three because he will be the sort of box-to-box all-round midfielder and you get a nice balance of box-to-box and defensive players if you say play Fletcher, Anderson and Carrick. I mean, you know, Carrick uh, is always going to want to screen it. The belief that he'll ever genuinely develop a more expansive game is gone, right? He's he's past 30 now. He's just not going to do it. I, he's got it in his locker, but he doesn't want to do it. He's far too passive, so it's never going to happen. He does a very effective job of screening and rotating play. But when he's in there with just one other, and suddenly United looks a bit threadbare in there, and he's not going to get around enough to make up for that if you're playing against the three, which is what United were, were doing. I mean, good job Carrick wasn't in there. It could have been even worse. Ferguson went for energy and Anderson and, and Fletcher, and even they couldn't make up the difference. I mean, you know, an extra man in, in the centre and midfield there, and and uh, it, it told in the last sort of 20 minutes of the, the first half, didn't it? All of a sudden, City's midfield got on top, and by half-time, you were kind of worrying that that was the pattern of the game. Yeah, I mean, Silver, Silver was absolutely pulling the strings, wasn't he? And he, he didn't have anyone stopping him from doing that for so much of that game. I mean, actually, I think Carrick probably would have helped. Yeah, I, look, I don't know what the obvious answer is to, to this. I, I mean, you know, I, I, I could go spend some money, right? But yeah, I, that's I, it. That, 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 you know, or, or Morrison and Pogba. It's too early for the two of them. I, I, I agree. I, I mean, I agree. But, like, if you spend 40 million in, you know, transfer and signing on fees and blah, 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 but a ridiculously expensive contract on a player, then you've got Pogba and Morrison two seasons time with no slots to play him. But I don't even think that's what's going to happen because actually there's there's plenty of there's plenty of room in the squad if you buy one or even two more midfielders. Uh, yeah, it's it's um it's it's nonsense. I mean, he should have freshened up the central midfield this summer. Last Morrison summer. Morrison and, and put last summer. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, Morrison and Pogba are two years away from from regularly pushing for the spots. I mean, Tantas they are. They both got loads of development to to um to go through yet. And um, if Pogba's even at the club, I mean, you know, summer his contract runs out soon, doesn't it? And and there's some talk that he'll leave in search of of more game time and and uh, so there's there's some talk about that folks and that whole kind of charade about well if we if we hold these boys back 
where are they going to be? That's why we haven't uh, brought in a big name. Uh, he he knows that was nonsense. That was covering for the fact that he wasn't given the money. Because, well, look, here, here's, here's a, a quick answer to that one. He could have played Pogba from the start against Aldershot on Tuesday night. He could have done. Perfect game. Perfect game for him to play. But instead, we had Cleverly needed an hour. Fair enough. But, but we had Park Jisung in the centre of midfield. For what reason? Yeah, because, because he figured that he needed game time because he, you know, wants to keep him fresh for big games ahead. But I, I agree. I agree. So, hey, so look, we'll sacrifice Paul Pogba's development because, you know, there's uh, uh, Park Jisung needs some uh, game time. But but we're not prepared to sacrifice Paul Pogba's development to get, actually get some quality in the central midfield. You know, that doesn't make any sense as a strategy at all. No, I think that's a, a fantastic argument you've just made there, Ed. And also, by the way, if we were so concerned about Pogba, we wouldn't have spent the whole summer trying desperately to buy Wesley Schneider. Yeah, well, yeah, I'd, Inter were trying desperately to sell him. I'm not quite sure United were trying desperately to buy him. Mm. Well, trying to find a way of making a deal that works. Yes. A cheap, a cheap, a cheap deal, you mean? Oh, no, yeah, and that's all that that talk was just from Interside, I'm sure we. Anyway, we talked about that at the beginning of the season ad nauseum, and just because Wesley Schneider had signed doesn't mean yesterday would have gone different. But you know, I'm mean, not yesterday. But yeah, uh, by the way, uh, we can't really fail to mention, as has been pointed out numerous times uh, by our listeners on Twitter. Very nice to know that people are paying attention. Uh, Ed, you predicted a six-one scoreline in the I game did. against all the shots. Shh, you got to be careful. You got to be more careful with your powers clearly I predicted two things this week I predicted a clean sheet and a 6-1 scoreline hey don't get much better than that that's the kind of quality you pay for ladies and gents <laughs> that is the kind of quality you pay for in the heat of the moment after the game when I thought maybe we would spend this entire period uh, avoiding talking about the Man City game at all costs I asked for some off-topic questions to fill the time and I think we should scatter a few of them throughout the show uh, important one to start with at 666 Bungle asks who will quit the stone Roses first. Good question. Well, Brown off his head. Squire. Manny. Manny. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it's not going to last long, is it? It's a, it's a few uh, few comeback gigs to coin it in, and then uh, they'll they'll be off enjoying their their filthy lucre. Hey, they've been writing songs, man. It's just like the old days. That's what they said in their press conference. And why would the Stone Roses yeah. lie to us? No, my my serious answer is it'll be Squire. That's that's. I'm quietly confident. Is there money on this? Uh, I don't know, no, but a gentleman's wager, Ed. Squire, <laughs> you've got Manny. I've got Squire. All right. Very All nice. right. Done. Done. Uh, who had the shinier head, Yapstam or William Prunier? Hmm. Any any competition that Yapstam is a part of, he wins. So if it's better to have a shinier head, it's Yapstam. If it's not as good to have a shiny head, it's William Prunier. Prunier only had two games at United, so I don't really remember how shiny his head was. Yapstam's. Yeah, he always had a little bit of fuzz there. I thought. I'm not sure he was uh, had the super shine until until sort of later on in his career when he really got scary looking. Uh, what what came first, the chicken or the egg? I think we know the answer to that question it's th- it's well uh, if you read if you read any Darwin you'll know that evolution doesn't work like that so it's a ridiculous question uh, the answer is the egg just so you know because that's where the chicken came from this is just dead simple uh, we've had his Fergie losing his marbles and possible midfield acquisitions by the way I, I, is there anyone that I that you know people might not have heard of or might not have been being mentioned all the time that you hear anything about Ed any, anything other than blinking Wesley Schneider <laughs> well there's, there's 
there's, uh, there's always Mario Goetze, so Dortmund or, or Kagawa, who's another fine Dortmund player. So a couple, couple of good ones there. Um, they will both leave at some point, although it does seem that Bayern have got their eyes on Goetze and, and uh, when Bayern come calling uh, for a German player, that's normally where they go. So maybe he's not out there. Uh, I think I'll put 10 or 12 midfielders in a list during the summer of potential acquisitions. So, you know, maybe one of those. Uh, look, who knows? Maybe United are out scouting somewhere in South America right now and will pick out a gem like they, uh, they did with Javier Hernandez, who was, of course, from Mexico in Central America before any geography pedants get on. Do you remember when we made fun of the signing of Javier Hernandez on this programme? Further proof that it's the quality that you pay for that you get on, on the rank cast. I don't remember making fun. Maybe you did. Maybe you did. You, you mocked him. I'd just like to thank at Matty Molina fan, at Sean McHale, and at Grandstander1 for those those questions. We had a, an extremely political question about whether new Labour's neoliberal economic policies moved more to the right than the Conservative Party from at Awate 91. I would say the long answer is sort of and the short answer is no. Uh, but we're not going to get into that because people don't like it when we talk about politics. Last week, Will Lum said we used far too many long words and phrases on the show last week. I think I might have tipped him over the edge by using the phrase emotional transference. So yeah, that was it was just utterly miserable, the City game. It does not get worse than a 6-1 drubbing by your rivals at home. That's just the, it's the lowest thing that can happen to you as a football fan, isn't it? It's the, you know, but on the other hand, it doesn't get worse than that. That's as bad as it gets. And it's not that bad in the scheme of things. You know, it's not an actual real problem. It's just a football problem. Yeah. You, yeah, you keep saying this. You're just losing listeners <laughs> in the droves here, right? I, I mean, look, it's not that bad in football context either because United will recover from this. That if you want one manager to, to rally the troops around and, and, you know, we said he didn't take any blame for the mistakes. Like, fair enough, he didn't, but but he'll um, he'll get he'll get the players back uh, and running. And United will still be in with a shout of the league championship here. It is not done by any means. I mean, there's a five point gap, which is somewhat worrying. Uh, but but United are going to be in there, and Ferguson will, will get them going again. So it's it's not that bad. And there was some ray of light I thought on Tuesday. I mean, okay, it was a much changed side that played all the shot, but but it, and and it, we were playing 15th place in League Two. So there are 80 odd places between the two sides, but there was at least blow the cobwebs away, get get the the kind of doom and gloom of the last few days out of the way, nice and early, and uh, get out on the pitch, score some goals, and, and get a win under the belt, and and that's what they did. A lot of really enjoy. I just watched the last 10 minutes of that game again before we before we started recording because it was on, it was being repeated on the telly. It was just brilliant to see Morrison. The, the two things I enjoyed most about that game were the performance of Dimitar Berbatov, uh, who just worked like an absolute Trojan to the complete shot of Martin Tyler and Alan Smith who kept making hilarious jokes about how Berbatov was running around. Hil- hilarious, wasn't it? And, and just just uh, like every five minutes having to get uh, some kind of comment about the City game. And he even managed to get a dig in about uh, United not selling that allocation out, which of course was untrue. And some comments about the fantastic order shot support. Uh, hello, I couldn't hear them. They did a lot of we support our local team and part-time supporters was, was a good one. Both Anders Red and Scott pointing out on Twitter that there were 2,400 people at the previous Aldershot game and 7,000 at this one so a bit, bit rich saying part-time supporters to another club uh, it was weird but then when they started supporting their team that was that was alright because fair enough big day for them and all that yeah but oh, it was awful awful analysis of Berbatov it, it, people just don't understand Dimitar Berbatov he goes through life being profoundly misunderstood at every turn must be difficult for him yes and, and you know what will happen he puts in a fantastic performance and he won't even make the squad for United's trip to Everton at the weekend. 
I mean, it's it, I, you know we talked about it last week when predicting the lineups for this game. Um, you said Owen and Berbatov would play up front, and it might make sense. Um, but it's just awful, you know. Yeah, well, I mean, way, way too much talent. I mean, uh, uh, Owen has found his level there. Well, he's got a fantastic record in the Carling Cup for United. It was seven in seven or something. Awesome. He he has scored those goals against Scunthorpe, Leeds, Aldershot, and and the the like of. But Berbatov breaking 562 minutes of football without a goal took his goal really well. Brilliant run where he nearly scored a goal kind of fluffed his shot later on in the game yeah, yeah. Uh, nicely hit free kick although a bit, bit central the other highlight of the game apart from Berbatov's performance was the cameo from Ravel Morrison I mean Pogba came on and he, he was better than he was against Leeds I thought but still did look a little shaky I thought Pogba was fine I mean you know he, he looks classy on the ball he, he moved the ball around he, he was ch- he was chasing the ball a bit too much for the first sort of 10 minutes of his, his mini cameo he, he didn't he doesn't need to do that and he just needs to get, retain the shape uh, and press when necessary not not run all over the pitch and but he you know he hit a few nice 40 yard balls he rotated the play and that's what he needs to do more of that the latter actually Pogba does because he does tend to hit the glory ball and he did have um he had one uh, really really good effort on the edge of the box that he, he could have you know you just know you, you know in the reserves he would have just side footed that into the into the top corner because that's what he does quite frequently and he managed to balloon that shot well over he looked more relaxed once uh, Ravel came on actually as well I thought yeah I thought they dovetailed nice yeah, and obviously makes sense. Morrison kind of floating in between midfield and attack, and and Pogba sat back a little, a little bit more, although not that much. And, and it, it was nice to see Morrison. It was um, a year to the day. Uh, well, just well, a year to the day minus a day, so almost a year to the day since since he made his uh, debut against uh, Wolves at uh, Old Trafford in the same competition. So it, it's been a long time coming. A second game, and and obviously an awful lot of rather dirty water has flown under the bridge since then. Yeah, a couple of court appearances. Uh, one for intimidating a witness and the other for beating up his girlfriend no charges in either and he's yeah he'd been walking a tightrope with the, the courts from a, a, a previous witness intimidation problem so he's under a court order and the club has stood by him and and there's no surprise in that in a sense because they're protecting their asset and there's some surprise in that that he is uh you know he's he's all potential and uh, no actual fulfillment yet no absolutely um but it was great to see him look so assured in his little cameo knocking the ball about really nicely tried to take the free kick off Berbatov which was a beautiful moment Berbatov sort of swatted him away like no sorry child you are still a child I am Berbatov but yeah he just just absolutely bags and bags and bags of star quality and potential just kind of, just kind of you know the twinkle toes obviously the the it's just ease of movement and understanding and awareness of space and and, and sometimes he's got to use the ball better he gave the ball away a couple of uh, times and he, he's got to know when to play someone in and when to when to use his skills and uh, I guess that comes with a bit of experience but it's all there in the package I mean you can see why people are so excited about him and I mean youth team level was not not good enough for him by the end of the last season and and he's stepped up and stepped up to reserve level I mean he's, he's had an injury problem in in quotes I feel the need to put that uh, missed a few games but I scored a blinding goal the other week on his left foot so I mean reserve team level will be not good enough for him soon enough because it's not much a, of a step above youth team level and, and he you know his talent demands that he, he gets more opportunities in the first team. His development demands that that's not going to come right now and there's no chance Ferguson's going to throw him in uh, in at the deep end and I think his off the field problems means there's no chance they're going to farm him out on loan either uh, you know, away from prying eyes so uh, it may take some time for Morrison to, to get there if he does at all. I was just going to ask the question about loan because I think Pogba going out on loan is pretty much an inevitability assuming we can keep him and there's lots of talk linking him with Arsenal which seems like 
I don't know if I was Pogba, I wouldn't even think about leaving United because there's... no, it's agent talk. That one is. I think they're they're, they're trying to make uh, and trying to make uh, United know that there are options for Pogba and uh, they need to come up with the right financial package, which they do because there are, and he's a a, a very yeah. talented young man, and and we should be paying a, a, a good good amount to keep him at the at the club. But if you're looking at it from his perspective, you know, never been a better time to be a teenage wonder kid central midfielder in the United squad. You know that there's there's never been that much weakness ahead of ahead of young players really at any time that I can remember. I mean, even when the golden generation came through, he had to ship out some really good players to make room for them. Yeah, I oh know absolutely. I mean, which was why it was a shame that Pogba didn't start, and then and indeed Morrison as well, because we had Duff on Duff on the left wing, and uh, he's never going to make it at United. It's just not going to happen. That's the five million euros and three and three and a bit million pounds that was just thrown away on Diouf because we'd be lucky if we get half of that back. And uh, what was the point? No, I just didn't see anything. He's he's, he's not going to get a game. I mean, they, for Diouf to get a game up front, there would have to be six strikers injured before he got a, a game. So it's not going to happen. So what was the point? I think not playing Morrison in that game, playing Diouf, might be questionable. But I think not playing Morrison makes sense in some ways as well because there's there's a good amount of psychological management needed with Morrison, a player with problems of his type and you know keeping him firmly grounded is going to be a really key part of that oh yeah I, I mean that, that's fair enough but Park could have played left and, and Pogba through the middle and that, that made uh, plenty of sense for, for Park who needs the game time plenty of sense for Pogba who, who doesn't I don't think needs his feet kept on the ground just yet he just needs development time and plenty of sense for Diouf who's a much better United player with a tracksuit on than he is actually on the pitch uh, and the, the only other thing is I think Ferguson probably wasn't in the mood to make any big sweeping gambling gestures and wanted to put a team that he knew would be thoroughly professional and do the job and and yeah and that and that is a fair that is a fair enough point and and they basically did that absolutely and it, you know I I kind of enjoyed that game although it was it was a little it, it really came to life for me when uh, when Morrison came on that was that was that was a good moment to see to see how he kind of shone pretty brightly I thought in that cameo uh, not quite Cristiano Ronaldo's debut against Bolton but 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 still a bit of a light at the end of at the end of the game and and Berbatov just fantastic to see him in the side and but well, I don't know when when he's going to get a, a game in the Premier League because uh, you know you say that six players have to be injured for Duke to play four players have to be injured for three players have to be injured for Berbatov to play or at least two of well, them at least three I mean you know Owen scored and, and Ferguson went on record again uh, praising Owen he, he didn't have any praise for Berbatov it makes you wonder what's gone on there it's a, it's a weird one isn't it it's, it really is a weird one and I, I guess he must be off in January because we've got a one year option to extend his contract in the summer, right? And um, why would we be doing that? It doesn't, you know, he must be on pretty phenomenal wages. I would have thought, given his transfer fee. Well, the the option ensures that United do get a transfer fee. Uh, if they don't take up the option, he can start talking to other clubs. So I, I don't know exactly how the the contract is phrased, but uh, by January he 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 will be six months before um, his contract runs out, and he's allowed to talk to clubs outside of the outside of his home nation, so outside of England, uh, about a free transfer. So I don't know if he makes the agreement then whether United can then go no we're triggering the clause um, or, or or how exactly it's phrased but but they will have to make a decision pretty soon at Eugene Wong 70 asks us an interesting little question that I think we can use as a bridge between our discussion of last week's games and next week's should United players get off Twitter none of the players that tweet seem bothered by the derby loss 
I suspect they are, but Twitter seems to water down the mystique of being a United player. They come across as blokes doing a job, albeit a fun job. I mean, you know, they are blokes doing a job. There's no mystique about footballers. They're just people who are good at kicking balls around. Absolutely. And actually, I, I was surprised how quiet some of the players were this week. Uh, Ferdinand and, and Rooney not been tweeting an awful lot. Uh, Morrison did a mini Q&A on Twitter, though not not post-Sunday, did he? So, And, and he'd been very quiet on Twitter after after uh, awards gates where he, he he decried the whole show as shit and then shit again so uh, and took quite a lot of abuse he, he hadn't been on twitter for a while but he he made a he made a he turned up again and uh, and answered some reader questions which was nice of him. yeah i mean it's it's interesting what it does what it does to the what it does to players and what it does to their kind of a uh, their public perception i mean rio rio's a really interesting case because he gets so much stick from united fans just for for his personality i mean you do it a little bit and i see it a lot from twitter just that general kind of you know oh stupid Rio he's more bothered about his this and that than his football I just don't I've never really thought that that seemed fair because none of that ever really seemed to me to interfere with his football I mean people were Annie Eves the journalist tweets a lot about United she was saying you know she thought it was pretty disgraceful that Rio was saying this is a week before the game or three days before the game that he was excited about going to the NFL after the match and of course he didn't go because if there's one thing Rio understands a little bit about it's PR um, and that wouldn't have done obviously and maybe the boss said by the way if you get on that helicopter you never play for United again yeah well maybe I mean yes it, it would have been a disastrous PR move to be out there all smiling and uh, he, would, he would have taken an awful lot of bad press and, and uh, he, of course he was only doing it as a PR move anyway to, to expand his brand to America before he moves to the uh, NSL soccer ball championship next year people have been annoyed that he hasn't tweeted an apology he said huge disappointment on Saturday, Sunday will bounce back people are like oh shut up about bouncing back he happened last year as well when we lost to Liverpool towards the end of the season and uh, we were terrible in that game and it was all to play for for the title he said you know we'll bounce back and people were like fed up of hearing you talk about bouncing back what about playing well it's like just you know just give him a break what is he supposed to say yeah they were humiliated they're professional athletes of course they're going to say we're going to take that and we're going to bounce back we're going to come back strong because that's what they do it's what professional athletes do it's what anyone should do in the face of adversity oh uh, yeah I mean all the sports psychology would say that as well focus on the next game focus on the prize focus on winning or positive thoughts and, and all of that so um, no, I don't think he needs to apologise I mean oh Christ we could get into a real mess of players having to come out with formal apologies every time they don't perform to the standard that the Twitterati declare is acceptable I mean uh, yeah, I suppose losing 6-1 at home to Manchester City is not acceptable to anybody but uh, well anybody in red that is so uh, but I don't I don't think players have to apologise for poor performances I think they just perform better simples <laughs> simples absolutely uh, interesting little thing about Twitter as well uh, Ravel Morrison on, on Monday posted excited about tomorrow on, on Twitter I wonder if I know that's a bit of a faux pas isn't it yeah. not, not, not supposed to be revealing uh, you know tactical stuff on Twitter I mean he could have just been really 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 looking forward to seeing United play all the shot you know really yeah loving it that's what he was not impossible and also just quickly talking of that NFL game bad day for the Glazers all round really coming all the way to England to watch both their teams get whomped I, d- I didn't even you know what I didn't even know the result yeah, 20, I, d- I don't do NFL doesn't make any sense to me 24-18 to the best do you not like it I no, really like really. it I, I, I don't know I, I think it's a really interesting game I remember doing some research on the Bucks as part of the, the whole anti-Glazer 
stuff, I suppose, and looking at that. And uh, they uh, they've owned the you know, owned the Bucks for quite some time now. And obviously, there's been the whole fuss with the, the fact they've had such a rubbish team for quite a long time. Aside from that 2002 winning side, but but one of the other things the Glazers did there was completely rebrand them. You know, new logo, new colours, ditched all their old colours, and and all of that kind of stuff. And um, and blackmailed the uh, blackmailed the local council into building a new stadium. And that it didn't. There was a lot of fear that kind of thing uh, would happen at United. It didn't didn't quite happen. Um, uh, they just starved us of money instead, which was nice of them. Yeah, no, that's. I mean, that's really that's really the only thing that the Glazers have done wrong as as owners of Manchester United is massively, massively, massively ruined the club's financial position mm. and and stop talking to the fans and, and treat us with uh, complete disdain. Yeah, but that's. I mean, yeah, sure, but the, the, that they were never going to do anything other than that, were they? No. They, they, you can't say they've mismanaged the club, you know, in that, in, in a part, I mean, this is, this is stupid, a stupid apart from what I, all I mean is, all I mean apart by that is... from the viaducts and the roads and the, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Me and that bearded genius got into a conversation on Twitter the other day about things that are good about Liverpool. <laughs> it happened by accident, it happened by accident, but it turned into, apart from the Beatles, you know, blah, 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 what have Liverpool ever done for us? Yeah, yeah, but what, all I mean is the Glazers haven't ruined the brand. No, it's all... Uh, I, I would I would think actually this is 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 a bit of a segue into some financials. I, I know the listeners of the podcast love it when I bang on about financials for an hour, so you know I'll, I'll not do that. But but um, interesting uh, to see that United struck a deal with a mobile company called Zong. Funny funny enough that that piece uh, United signed Zong shot to the top of the news now reader charts, and it was not a new Chinese striker. The mobile company in some exclusive rights deal in Pakistan, I think, is. But I suspect we're going a whole raft of deals announced in the lead up to the IPO especially Asian flavoured ones I'm sure they're going to do that because they'll want to uh, make it as exciting as possible for their potential Singaporean investors there you go that's my, that's my tuppence worth on financials for the week that was pretty brief. Uh, right, what's the starting eleven going to be against Everton? Good question, isn't it? Well, I wonder. I wonder. Do you think Rio's forgiven? Do you think he's forgiven for the Sunday's game? You'd be tempted to say it would be De Gea, Smalling, Vidic, Ferdinand, Evra. Um, obviously, Ferdinand and uh, Evra didn't play against older shots. Uh, De Gea was rested too. Ditto Smalling and, and Vidic got a full game in. So you'd kind of say that. But there is there is another thing. I mean, Johnny Evans will be back. He's only got the one match ban but you wonder whether they'll be forgiven for that so there's a, just a little temptation that maybe Smalling or Jones will start alongside Vidic at the back yeah I, th- I think that's what's going to happen it would be it would be uh, almost a passing of the guard if it did happen because Rio would be fit and uh, no doubts about injury and no big game the weekend because he won't play against Otilol Galati for sure so it, it would it would feel like a significant moment if uh, Jones or Smalling came in for Rio at Everton but there's you know there's, there's a, quite an argument to say one of them should do probably Smalling in the centre and Jones at right back um, there's quite an argument to say that uh, midfield's a real difficult one because I mean you'd, you'd kind of say that Nani and Young will, will play but Valencia needs some games he had a half a decent game against Aldershot and obviously he's got a fine goal and, and Ferguson said afterwards that he needs some game time so they, they might rotate there uh, central midfield I have no idea is Carrick fit uh, I, I don't know Anderson and Fletcher can they be forgiven for the performance against City when they're so obliterated does Cleverly get some time I mean he's only had the 60 minutes so you'd say it'd be unlikely for him him to start. 
No, I, I don't agree with that at all. I thought the, the second that uh, Cleverly came off after 60 minutes against Aldershot, I thought that's starting lineup against Everton. You, you think so? I mean, he's not. The, the problem is he's had six weeks out, and that's that's it. That was his. First, he hasn't had any reserve football, so it's it's not as if he's coming from you know a, a reserve game to 60 minutes to 90 minutes. That's 60 minutes. His first 60 minutes in six in six weeks. So it'd be interesting. I mean, you know, a little bit of a gamble if Ferguson did it, but but it would be. We'll see how what the reaction is. I suppose there's four days. And, and I suspect he wouldn't play him in both the Everton and Galati games. You know, they, they tend to ease him back in. So if he doesn't start against Everton, he'll 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 be on the bench and he'll start against uh, Galati in midweek. I'll, I'll definitely give you a gentleman's wager on that one. I think that cleverly will start that game against Everton. That's that's belief at the moment. All right. Well, there you go. Gentleman's wager on that one. And up front, well, I mean, Rooney and Welbeck or Rooney and Hernandez. Uh, you know, take your pick there. But uh, or, or maybe not. I mean, of course, Rooney was dropped for this fixture last year. We'll see. It would. I mean, after dropping Rooney for the Liverpool game, would they drop him again? I mean, in a fixture that's so important that United don't lose. Nah. Yeah. I mean, I I don't. And there's also, you know, he's there's no particular stuff floating around about him as there was before the Liverpool game directly start looking at United's record over the last few games and uh, and it just starts looking not very good as well so uh, obviously the loss and then a whole bunch of draws uh, and then just, just this win against Oldshot and the, and the one over Norwich in the last sort of, you know, six seven games so yeah no since the Chelsea game and the, and we didn't as I said earlier we didn't play well in the Chelsea game and the last the, the last good performance against someone that wasn't Leeds or Oldershot was against Bolton on the day you got married yeah and then well, then, then there's Everton who, who I mean I mean, traditionally you sell a tough game at Goodson Park, but they've not been very good this season, and they're they're really threadbare as a squad. Uh, they they went away to Fulham and won, but but in reality Zamora uh, lived up to his his song. You know, the ball hits your head and you're sat in Rose Ed. That's Zamora missed from about a yard out. Well, maybe a bit further than that uh, in the last minute to equalise for Fulham against Everton, and then Everton went and scored twice in injury time. Uh, Everton currently sitting 13th in the table, played one less games than the team around them. If they win their game in hand, which I don't think is the game against us, if they win their, if they had won their game in hand, they would be right up there above Arsenal um, in seventh. So it's not exactly been disastrous start to the season by by Everton standards. But and they have Lisa Harfit scored against Fulham. He's a fine, fine striker when he's uh, when he's actually fit and on the rare occasion, and uh, he'll be a danger. Royston Drenthe scored a you know fantastic goal. At the weekend as well so they've, they've got some dangerous players still and obviously uh, uh, a couple that United have uh, been reportedly interested in Rodwell again he scored uh, he's had a difficult 18 months Rodwell since all the speculation about him I think um, not not quite fulfilled that potential yet and Ross Barkley does look fine I mean yeah admittedly I've, I've really only seen him in highlights and he looks like a, a player mature beyond his years and um, one that will not be staying at Everton uh, in the long term once a blue always a blue that's what they say about Everton youngsters isn't it it is um, talking of once a, always a, John Terry's been in the news again. A lot of racism stuff in football lately. It's all very upsetting, isn't it? it? It is. His excuse was that Anton Ferdinand came up to him and said, Did you just call me a f***ing black c***? And uh, Terry said, No, I didn't call you a f***ing black c***, you f***ing head uh, and uh, not quite shown by the TV coverage there uh, which the first part of that sentence no I didn't call you a f***ing 
black is is cut off by now Ashley Cole's head. So it's uh, lip readers will tell you he just said you fucking black cunt. Not nice at all. And and the fact that Ferdinand hasn't come out to support this this um, thesis of events tells you that perhaps he doesn't quite believe this thesis of events, and and maybe Terry isn't quite telling the truth either. No, it's a it's it's an ugly situation one way or another. That's for sure. I don't know if Ed's just beat those words or whatever, but I, I got them right in my ears, and I feel slightly sick now, uh, as as one normally does when exposed to John Terry in one form or another. Uh, so you you think that he'll play nanny and young? I mean, I th- I think Valencia's a, a good shout to get some game time. Although there's the game against Galati, so you know th- there's plenty of chance to to play players that don't get a game against Everton. He's really just got to pick the team he thinks is going to do the most effective job. But loads and loads and loads of questions about all all the questions. You know that six one. It is only one game and whatever, but it, it definitely raises really serious questions. And it's how you handle the aftermath of, of such a shock, you know, because cause United's players are not used to that kind of thing. You know, Ferguson said, obviously, he doesn't remember ever losing 6-1 in his career, even as a player. It, it's a huge shock. And then they will all be shell-shocked and they'll have a lot to prove. And it's not easy having a lot to prove because sometimes you, you try too hard. You know, sometimes you lose confidence in your own abilities and all that kind of stuff. So it is, it is a pretty massive game, I'd say, against Everton. It, it is. It's huge. It's huge because because what was a disastrous result becomes a crisis if if United lose it at Goodison Park. So a, a draw would be acceptable. Uh, it wouldn't look very good, especially if City go win and there's a seven point gap. But it would be acceptable. But uh, the only way to really get over this really quickly is to go to Everton and and put in a fine performance, win comfortably, and then then we can all forget the City game and move on. I mean, it's not impossible, of course, that that'll happen. Fingers crossed. That would be lovely. And then we take on Galati at home in midweek, and if we don't win that game, I. Then there really is a crisis. Of yeah, and, and there'll be there'll be a massive change around in resources for you know possibly eleven changes. Uh, who knows? I mean, I, I guess Lindegaard will come back into goal, and and whoever doesn't play against Everton will play a, against Galati. I mean, they they are they are weak side, and I think United can make a lot of changes and win at home. Worth mentioning about the Aldershot game. Ben Amos decent performance. Took a save very well right at the end of the game after having not a lot to do all game, which we all know is not easy for a goalkeeper. So well well done. Kept a clean sheet. He's uh, it's difficult one for him because he really does need to go on loan. I, I, I know they want to keep three goalkeepers and they do kind of have I mean Cusack's still at the club right I mean, uh, just about but clearly sent to train on his own or something at the moment he really has annoyed the club um, so they, they do want to keep three goalkeepers but Amos can hardly develop if he if he doesn't play very often and, and the odd Carling Cup game and it isn't really going to cut it for him and, and you know, I, okay so he's only what what is he 18-19 he's, he's not much younger than David De Gea so uh, that, that, that would set the alarm bells ringing if I was Amos that um, I might not be getting a chance in the United side for quite some time and, and this he can really force his way into you know into the side and he's only, only going to do that if he gets an opportunity at a higher level than playing all the shot away in the Carling Cup and he's only going to get that opportunity if he goes on loan somewhere decent. I mean I, I just don't see Amos at the club in the long term I mean not because of any lack of talent but just because of the current situation I, I, I still am of the belief that De Gea is going to be talked about as one of the great goalkeepers of all time if he manages to stay injury free and fulfil his potential and Lindegaard is a brilliant guy to have around as your second keeper because you know especially if Fergie gives him plenty of games as he has been doing so far we'll all we'll all find out I mean Lindegaard I think we've said this a few times Lindegaard has got plenty of qualities and I think he'll probably play near enough a third of United's games this season he'll get quite a lot of games in the Cups maybe maybe not that much but De Gea has settled down I couldn't really blame him for the six goals I mean maybe the slightly slightly weak hands for Zeko's shot
out. Maybe you want to be ultra critical there, but the rest of them, no. So no, no blame attached. And I think there's uh, far more culprits for for that performance than than uh, De Gea. Yeah. Um, I'm sure he'll play against um, Everson. Probably won't play against Galati. So predictions? Uh, I'm going to predict two wins. I'm going to predict that we're going to beat Everton 2-1 with some Man United business in the last minute. And then I think we're going to beat Galati maybe even 4-0. All right. Well, after my super accurate predictions of the past week, clean sheet 6-1, you know, just saying. Uh, the crystal ball has come out and, and I think we're going to go to Everton and draw one all, and I think we'll beat Galati 3-0. So get your money on us getting beat 3-0 by Everton and drawing 1-1 with Galati. All right. (laughs) All right. So uh, we'll be back next week, kids.